Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Hello, Northwest Arkansas. Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas, big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today. I am here at the Division of Agriculture, University of Arkansas Research and Extension. It's part of the University of Arkansas system. I'm sitting here with a friend of mine, a new friend of mine. His name is Colin Massey, and uh, Colin is the County Extension Agent of Horticulture and Agriculture. We're going to throw that in there as well here in Washington County. And I ran into Colin a couple of about a month ago when I was on a, a people of color bicycle ride put on by Bike NWA and some of the other folks that were doing some interesting things down around the center of town here in Fayetteville. And Colin and I were sitting down and I was enjoying a really nice beer. And I can't remember the place where we were sitting. And he was talking about the fact that he listens to the podcast. So of course, anytime I talk to somebody that says I've listened to the podcast, my ears perk up. And 
he started sharing with me some information that really got me thinking. And I said, you know, I got to get this guy on my podcast because Colin has a lot of great information about native plants, about how to properly, you know, maybe set up your yard from a landscaping perspective to use the most drought tolerant and, you know, species of plants that are more native to this area that will thrive better in the climate that we're in and the topography that we're in. And so I really wanted to have him on the podcast to kind of talk about that. And while this would might be an episode that would be better suited for video, we're going to kind of bring it to your mind's eye so that you can see, we're going to paint the best picture that we can of what Colin is talking about and also hear his story. And then what we'll try to do is in the show notes, we'll provide you with some additional information so that you can, you know, be attuned, you know, to all of the native species that thrive here in Arkansas, specifically in Northwest Arkansas. So without further ado, and I know that was a mouthful of an opening, Colin Massey, how are you doing today? I'm excellent. Thank you very much for that introduction, <laughs> Randy. And it was West Mountain Brewing. Oh, that's that. what it was. West Mountain Brewing. Right, right. Okay, perfect. So that was, and just so you know, folks, we're doing this live in person, but we're socially distant. We've got our mask on. This is one of, you know, I've done a couple of, of in-person podcasts with my mask on. Doesn't take away from anything. It, it actually sounds just as good. And so we're going to we're going to make the best of it. But so, Colin, tell the audience, because we like to always start off with whoever we're talking to. We want to get their superhero origin story. So I would love for you to share your superhero origin story and how you got here at the U of A. Yeah. So my origin story, I always tell people, is a bit tortuous. It took me a while to get here. And, you know, I'm lucky now to find myself in a job that I absolutely love that encompasses a lot of my my hobbies. But for a long time, really didn't know what I wanted to do. I grew up in Fort Smith. I started going to college down there when it was still West Ark. And I had gotten a job with the federal government. It was just an office job. I was tired of working in a restaurant. And when I moved to Fayetteville to transfer to school, I got a phone call from that same office. They had a, that congressional office had a Fayetteville office. And they asked me to keep working for them. And it, it really it translated into, I kind of worked myself into a job, which was, I was a grants coordinator. And that meant that I was working with municipalities and cities and nonprofits who were trying to get federal funding for projects. And I really wanted to find out what these groups were doing so that I could be a better advocate for them. And two that really made a mark on me at the time were the Nature Conservancy and Audubon, Arkansas. One day I went out to see what they were seeking funding for. And I stood on this stream bank and I saw them down in the creek taking measurements, looking for aquatic macroinvertebrates for stream health. And I questioned why I wasn't the one down there in the stream taking the measurements. And I immediately gained this passion for water quality. I'd always been big into the outdoors, but I was you know, working for the government and I kind of let that drive what I did in my, my undergraduate degree. And so I started talking to professors. I took the GRE and decided to take a chance. And I quit my job and someone was maybe, I wouldn't say stupid enough to take me on at that time. <laughs> I didn't have, on paper, I didn't have a great science background. Right. But they took a chance on me and I got into the crop soil and environmental sciences department here at the U of A as a grad student. And in 2009, I finished a master's degree in that department. And I continued working for that professor for about five years, mainly in row crops and agriculture. But my degree is actually in soil science. But I always wanted to get into that water environmental side. And I, I knew some people in this office 
and knew one person was taking another job. So I really pursued that position to become an agent for water quality. So I was hired for that in 2013. And it really just opened up an entirely new world for me. I finally got to work in that area that I, that I had such a passion for and a desire for and really came to work with a lot of other organizations in a lot of different aspects. So we worked with a lot of volunteers on stream cleanups, stream bank restoration projects. And an offshoot of that, you don't know, some people don't always think about how much the plant interface is involved with water quality mm-hmm. or urban forest and and stream bank stability requires plants. And one thing that really was on the rise at that time was the problem of invasive plants. And so we, we had a lot of groups that were working to remove those from specific sites, so habitat restoration. And once you have some control over that, you can actually go back in with, with native plants. And that was something completely new to me back, back at that time, but it really became a passion. It became a hobby and you know a personal goal for me to try to transfer my yard into a habitat for mostly native plants. And so last year, last May, in fact, of 2019, my previous boss that was in this position took a new position in our state office in Little Rock. And I saw an opportunity to change it up a bit. I needed a new challenge. I had done the the water quality stuff for about five years. And it, it really presented me an opportunity to focus in a little bit more on the plant side, really get back to my roots a little bit with that soil science background to become the agent for horticulture. Sure. And so now my job is really a bit different. It's split kind of into three sections. I'm an agent that supports the Master Gardener Program, which is a volunteer service organization. And we work with the consumer horticulture community, which are producers that are selling to farmers markets or wholesale markets. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, the home horticulture, the, the resident who may call us with a, a problem with their tree or a, a landscape question or a, a vegetable garden question. So it's been really exciting. I really enjoy it. And I, I get to meet with a lot of different people and really bring that knowledge. And that's, you know, the mission of, of our organization is to strengthen communities, you know, either through health or agriculture mm-hmm. by bringing, you know, our, our claim to fame is, you know, we're a science-based organization. We're taking that research-based science from the university. We're bringing that to the public. You know, and it, as you're saying this, it just dawns on me, how many people actually know that this exists? Because <laughs> it seems like it's the best kept secret, right? Because I mean, I learned about it two ways. Now I have a mask on and obviously people that are listening to this podcast can't see this, but I'm wearing my rotary mask and I'm a member of the downtown rotary club. Some of you guys have heard me say that before on past episodes, big shout out to the downtown Fayetteville rotary club. We've had some really great people come in. I believe a woman came in and spoke, and I can't remember her name, but I want to say she was one of the founders of a a greenhouse that's down there south of town. I can't think of the name of it, but I've been there several times. It's just south down at the bottom of Crossover, where Crossover meets 27, I think, and where MLK turns into whatever that street, whatever that road it turns into, and you keep going down there, and there is a on the right-hand side of town, if you're driving away from Fayetteville, there is a, a greenhouse there. It's I can't remember the name is of it. Is it White River Nursery? White River Nursery, right. She was from there. And she shared a lot about the importance of introducing and keeping and maintaining and continuing to allow to flourish the native species of plants, both at, on a large scale, but then specifically just in your yards and the reason why behind it. And I was really fascinated by that. And 
then when I met you, I was like, oh, you know what? This is a really good story. This is something that people need to hear. And so a couple of things. I'd love for you just to kind of talk about some of the stuff that you guys specifically do here that a, a local resident could really benefit from and how they could use your service. And then I want to get into some of the the basics of maybe how you put your turned your yard around and created this virtual local oasis of horticulture. Let me address something first that you mentioned about kind of being a, a best kept secret. Uh, that's something our our former director, Rick Cartwright, he just retired always promoted that to the agents was let's not be the best kept secret in Arkansas. Right. But you're right. There are a lot of folks that don't know about us and what services we offer, which we can go into that. But you know, here in Northwest Arkansas, we're growing so rapidly. There are so many people coming in that weren't, you know, maybe didn't grow up in Arkansas that maybe have no idea that we exist, mm -hmm. but could really probably take advantage of some of those services. And so, you know, what those are, they, you know, for the resident or the homeowner, one thing that we do if you're just getting into, you know, to gardening or to landscaping is to get your soil tested. Yeah. It's free in Arkansas. You know, we have, regardless of what county you're in, we have an, an office in every county, something you can take from your lawn or an orchard or your garden and bring that in to our office. We send that off to the lab. You get results and a recommendation on, you know, whether you need to add something or whether you don't. Mm-hmm. And then another one that, that I deal, you know, closely with a lot of calls that I get have to do with, with disease or something that's wrong with the plant. We have a plant health clinic that is also free and you can bring samples in, or sometimes I might be taking a, a visit to someone's residence and taking a sample myself and try to get a diagnosis of why, what might be affecting that plant and possibly a recommendation on how to remedy it. Now, when you say plants, are we, we're not talking about general house plants. We're talking about or even general house plants? It could be anything from a crop that a farmer is growing to an oak tree to a house plant. Oh, wow. Okay. It could be right. a So turf. if I'm having problems with my golden pothos, I can bring in the soil sample and have you tell me what I'm doing wrong. The soil sample would give a baseline. Uh -huh. uh, it really tells you your nutrient and your fertility status. It sure. doesn't necessarily for disease, but if you brought in perhaps a leaf or a root sample, we could take that to the other lab and possibly see what's uh -huh. causing that problem. Yeah, I actually recently, in the, I guess like in the last year or two, I, I went on Dr. Google and learned how to propagate plants. So I've propagated a couple of golden pothos. Uh, there's another plant. I don't even know the name of it, but it's just growing like crazy. I have the green thumb in the family. My wife doesn't. So she jokes that, you know, it's all for you. And, you know, I, I went away for about a week and I came back and I'm like, you didn't water the plants. And she was like, you know, I can't keep plants alive. And I'm like, yeah, that's because you don't provide water to them. The basic sustenance of life. But no, so that's interesting because I think a lot of people struggle with that, right? And a lot of people don't grow plants or they have fake plants in their house just because of the fact that they're afraid they're going to kill whatever they have. And you guys, sounds like you guys are able to offer a service that A, a lot of people aren't aware of, and B, it's something that can actually help you to become better at propagating and growing plants. Well, you said it right there. And what I mentioned before, you know, being a trusted research-based source, that's really the goal is to provide best practices to try to give you the best experience possible. And that's not the only thing that we do. You know, this, we have, you know, right now we have about 11 people in this office. I'm just one facet of that, which is horticulture. We have agents that deal specifically in, in agriculture, pasture and livestock is, is a huge commodity and a huge business here in Northwest Arkansas. Sure. So pasture management and livestock management comes, becomes very important. We have an agent that handles one of the largest 
youth programs in the nation called the 4-H program. Have you ever heard of 4-H? Just really fantastic. We have agents that deal with family and consumer science. So when you walked in, you saw me testing a, a pressure canner lid. And that, that really focuses on, you know, healthy food, healthy communities. We have people that work within SNAP education, you know, expanded food and nutrition to really promote, you know, healthy eating and food security for everyone, you know, in this region. And then we also have really a community and economic development side that part of that is an urban stormwater program. As I mentioned, Northwest Arkansas is growing at such a rapid pace. There's a lot more pavement than there used to be versus forest and pasture. So that, that puts some stresses on, you know, our water supply, Beaver Lake. And that team really works to, works with 21 cities and jurisdictions here in Northwest Arkansas to make sure they're in compliance with the EPA on those stormwater standards, but also to provide education to the residents on how to limit their impact, you know, on pollutants that would impair water quality. Yeah, you know, and it, you actually bring up a couple of things I want to talk about because I, I thought that was interesting that you were testing that pressure cooker. How common is that for people to bring their pressure cookers in to have them tested? Because I mean, you know, and, and then it just dawned on me, yo, oh my God, canning. That's right. Everybody cans. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, it's it's become a new phenomenon nowadays. So tell me what, uh, talk to just a little bit about that and, and what, what goes into testing a, a pressure cooker. Right. And that's not something I normally do. <laughs> I had to learn to do it several weeks ago. I've been here almost seven years. That was the first time, uh, a couple of weeks ago was the first time I'd, I had done it. There were only two of us in the office. Yeah. But, you know, for just looking at the log for this year, it looked about, you know, about two dozen people wow. use that. Okay. And it's really, you know, it's, it's a safety precaution it's to make sure that your, those gauges and that pressure is accurate. Yeah. Because those things could be kind of dangerous if they were, you know, to blow their top. So, Really, there's a pump in there. There's a, a little gasket that you would set that lid on mm-hmm. uh, right above the gauge. And then there's a master gauge. And you basically pump that up with your foot and you make sure that those gauges are matching with regard to the PSI. If it's off by more than two, uh, they would probably suggest getting a repair, a new gasket for that lid, or possibly a new canner. New, new canner. Okay. Wow. All so right. It's really well, calibration. Yeah. Well, it's good to know. I mean, there you go, folks. If anybody needs to have their pressure cooker calibrated, you know where to go. Colin is your man. And I'll make sure, again, that all this information is in the show notes because I think you could benefit from taking advantage of some of the things that these guys are doing. The second thing I wanted to ask about is I was told a while ago that the, actually the quality of the water in this area is actually pretty good. And I drink a lot of water. I have I've lived all over the country, all over the world. And I would say that the water here is, is quite tasty compared to some other places that I've been. Why is that? Well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Beaver Water District does an amazing job at providing clean drinking water to this region. We've, we've worked with them a great deal over the years. And one, I would say there is that you know people here do care a lot about it. It's really a, a big economic driver mm-hmm. to have that water supply, and it really does promote what this you know region is about. You know, healthy living and, and outdoor living. And but a lot of it has to do with the way that the watershed is is actually situated, and much of it is forested. Not to say that there aren't problems. There are significant you know issues that that a lot of the partners we work with are working on. Mm-hmm. One of the main pollutants you may not know about for any really lake or river in Arkansas is sediment. Uh, Typically, that's coming from stream bank erosion. You wouldn't think that that would be, you know, that's not like your normal thing. You're thinking of like maybe runoff from a farm or something like that. Which really used to be, you know, that was quite in the news 20 years ago. 
Yeah. Uh, right. You know, when I, before I really got into this, the agricultural world, you know, Arkansas was being sued by Oklahoma over water quality standards due to runoff you know, from pastures. Yeah. Well, I and, saw dark water and that was, uh, yeah. <laughs> that gave me a whole different appreciation of understanding where your water is coming from, where the source is. So. Exactly. But, um, you know, regulations were put in place that monitors that. And, you know, the other thing you have are these kind of emerging contaminants when you get into urban growth. Yeah. A lot of those pollutants can change. So you have, you know, automotive fluids, litter is obviously one that's yeah. very visible. Yeah. And then, you know, bacteria and things. But sediment's one of the main concerns because it carries nutrients with it that could possibly grow algae. But, you know, with Beaver Lakes, much of that watershed is still rural and forested. And forests just play one of the most key roles in filtering and slowing down runoff. And, you know, when you talk about it, people I don't think people appreciate how fragile our ecosystem is and how everything is tied to everything else, right? And that's the key thing there. It's like we... You know, we sometimes say, oh, well, forget about that. What's the big deal? But and then the impact is this is what it does to something else. So it's kind of like a cause and effect. Right. It's the same argument that people have about deforestation. And, you know, people are like, oh, well, let's just cut down all the trees. And I know recently some things have been allowed to happen in our country where they're just allowing more logging to take place. And they're like, well, you know, these are trees. They'll grow back. But there are some other derivative effects of that that really play into this. Absolutely. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether I'm giving a presentation on, on water quality, which I used to do, or, or plants. Mm-hmm. What One thing I want people to always take away is that we're talking about a component of a system. Yeah. These things are, are all integrated. They're all in flux. And if one of those things, you know, if the, the air, the water, the soil, and the plant interface, if one of those gets widely out of balance, it can skew the whole system. Yeah. And that's, that really comes into play when we start talking about, you know, invasive plants taking over. If you get an invasive plant monoculture of shrubs that don't, you know, don't allow your forest to regenerate, you have much less capacity to slow and filter that water or to anchor, you know, that soil from eroding away. And so that that's something I really always try to emphasize is this is, you know, a cog in the wheel of a, a system that is really interconnected. Yeah. And. Since you're talking about invasive species, and, and I guess a lot of people listening to this may be wondering, well, well you know, Colin, well, how do I know? Because everybody wants to, you know, we have all these subdivisions here in Northwest Arkansas, and everybody wants that manicured, manicured grass. And of course, that uses up a lot of water. So there are other alternatives. But what would be your baseline recommendation to the average homeowner here that has a little bit of land and they want to take advantage of a lot of making sure that they have more native species than stuff that they introduce to the environment that isn't necessarily from this area may require more water because of that may be, you know, less resistant to certain things that generally originate here in this area. Oh yeah. If you really hit it with regard to native species, there are things that really evolved here. That, that don't necessarily require as much water. They're, they're more able to withstand extremes in these temperature. They provide habitat, maybe less susceptible to disease. But for the, for the average homeowner, the first thing I would do would be to walk that property, mm-hmm. to kind of take a, a bit of an inventory of, of what the situation is. You know, do, do you have a good stand of hardwoods or are there invasives threatening 
you know, the area that you're looking into. And if you don't know, if you're not very familiar with plants, you could call our office. We could come do a walkthrough with you. You could reach out to our partners as well. If kind of water quality is your thing, the Beaver Watershed Alliance, the Illinois River Watershed Partnership, we'll do these things as well if you live in those watersheds. And so really to me, at first would be to, to educate myself a bit, mm-hmm. to kind of take a walk and take an inventory of that. Get out in the rain sometime and walk and see how the water flows. You know, get familiar with it and then reach out. There are just a number of groups in this area that do education and workshops and outreach with regard to native plants. The city of Fayetteville has been a really big partner with us on some of these habitat restoration projects, not only the Fayetteville Parks and Recreation Department, but also some of the committees like the Environmental Action Committee have really jumped on board to this and it's not just about always going and doing, but it really, a big part of it is helping educate the public. And so there, there is, there's quite a bit that can be done and a lot of information that people can get to determine what are, you know, what are some things that you could reintroduce. So what native species have, have, you know, were really profound here at one point, but then kind of went away and are starting to make a comeback? Yeah. So yeah, a comeback. That's, that's an interesting concept. Uh, but really, you know, the Ozarks, uh, the Ozark Plateau and the Boston Mountains are generally oak hickory forest, forest lands. Um, and of course, you have all these amazing understory plants that have thrived under those for so long, dogwoods and serviceberry and redbuds, and these amazing spring ephemeral wildflowers that, you know, like wild azalea, things in the sassafras family, sassafras tree and spice bush. Just really, really amazing plants. They provide numerous opportunities for habitat and food supply for, for wildlife, for birds, for pollinators. And that's really kind of the one big thing that we start to talk about with regard to, to native plants in the yard even is so many people want to attract pollinators. We realize how important they are to the ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, here in, here in Fayetteville, for example, or Washington County, there are just a number of species that are big problems. Obviously, the, the Bradford pear, you've probably heard of this. Sure. You know, most of these things were brought here as ornamentals and really escaped, if you will, and started naturalizing places that they weren't planted through, mm-hmm. through seed or sprouting from roots. The other two are really sh- are shrubs more so than trees, which would be bush honeysuckle and Chinese privet. Yeah. These are really brought in kind of as hedge plants. and you know, probably over a hundred years ago, maybe more of when they were brought here, they, they really found the really opportunists. We had a big ice storm in 2009 that damaged some of the tree canopy and that light penetration really allowed some of that stuff to take off and establish at a really alarming rate, especially here in our, in our urban forests where there was more of a, a seed bank and more and more people had planted those things. Right. You go a little bit further out in the woods into the Ozarks, you're not going to see that as much. Although, you know, I've driven down Highway 71 quite a bit. If you've ever been down Old 71. Sure. Down by Winslow and the mm-hmm. Old Smokehouse, there's a, a giant grove right along the road into the woods of Tree of Heaven. Just a really nasty plant that... A nasty plant with a nice name. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, and actually, it can be... It looks... It's a pretty neat looking tree. It's kind of attractive. The problem with it is it grows at a really fast rate. It crowds out, you know the desirable plants that you want, it also emits a chemical. It's called allelopathy in plants that stops other plants from germinating. 
So it just surrounds itself with others just like it. And that's when you, what you get, what you call a monoculture. There's no diversity. Right. Which is what you want to avoid. So, and I have, I don't have any Bradford pear, but I do have honeysuckle and some Chinese privet that we've had to cut out of our yard just to try to get rid of it. And I mean, the honeysuckle is nice, but I mean, it's just, you know, it's just once you pull that little stem and that's, I mean, it's just everywhere. So. Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard to get rid of. So what other I mean, what other issues do you see cropping up that are either new or people should just be aware of, especially when it comes to just their home in these plants in their yards? That's a great question. And for me, I think it's again, it's education. I mentioned there's there's so many new people coming to this area. They may not be familiar with this growing zone. And we, we luckily we do get a lot of calls from those people like, you know, what grows well here? But someone may just like, hey, I, I really liked this plant where I lived in North Dakota and I <laughs> want to try to try to grow it here. And it's maybe not gonna gonna survive. So to me a little it's it's a lot of education. Yeah. And that's what we need to do more of and be better at is providing education on the on the benefits of these plants and really the benefit of putting the right plant in the right place. Yeah. And I, unfortunately, I see this a lot with trees and newly planted trees, sometimes in subdivisions. The placement of some of these trees is baffling. Yeah, uh, Trees require a root zone. Yeah. And if, if you're planting a, an oak that you're hoping to get to be 60, 70 feet tall at maturity, but you're putting it between a sidewalk and a curb that's only four to six feet wide, it's going to severely stress and stunt that tree. It's not going to be able to ever see maturity. Right. And that's expensive. Yeah. It's really unfortunate for someone that moves in there and seven years later, their tree starts to show signs of stress. There's not much they can do about it. So that's one thing we really try to promote is do your research into what you want to plant, plant responsibly and put the right plant in the right place. Yeah. And then I know, so I know the climate, I know when I first moved here, I was looking at the, the climate zone and, and the growing zone. And I know it's, we're kind of like in that tweener phase between colder climate zones and warmer climate zones. So where can we err on? Cause I've seen a bunch of cacti that survive through the winter here in my neighborhood. And then I see some other stuff, you know, like I was just looking at some tubers that I have that are growing and I came back, they were, they were alive a week ago. I come back and they're all dead. And I'm just like, man, it wasn't, I couldn't have been that cold, but so I would, I would be interested to know about our growing zone and what people need to be aware of as far as that's concerned. Well, you're exactly right. We're right on that line. You can sometimes almost go 40 minutes South of here and you're going to be in a different, you know, growing zone of 6B. So in, in a lot of ways here in Fayetteville, uh, Washington County and Benton County, we're really a little bit more like Southern Missouri than we are south of I-40 in Arkansas. Right. So really, yeah, it, it becomes important when you are selecting plants to look at that range. Usually there's a, a range that it's put on the tag or the description of that plan of what, what zone it's going to work best in. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Sometimes it does get quite cold here. There are some plants that just aren't as hardy. Fig is a good example. People really love to grow figs. They're a delicious fruit. We're right on that zone where you can kind of keep them around. If we get a a cold winter, they're going to die back to the ground. They'll grow back from the root, but those stocks that you've established are are not going to make it. 
Not so it's a little bit of having expectations. If you do try to plant something that's out of the growing zone, how are you going to manage that? Yeah. Well, maybe you have it in a pot. You can bring it in for the winter if you love that plant so much. Uh, but you mentioned, you know, things like a cactus or a yucca. There are some native to Arkansas that, that grow in some of the upper parts of the mountainous regions that we have, surprisingly, yeah. you know, not being in the desert. Right, right. But so yeah. if you're aware of those and you know what, where to get them, then, then they, they can be something that you can, you can add to your yard and grow. Sure. If that's available. Yeah. Through a nursery, I wouldn't recommend anyone ever go out to the woods and try to cut it and bring it home. But it really, it does drive home the point, Randy, that choosing something that is native, you're going to have that really taken care of. It was, you know, evolved to grow here. Mm-hmm. It's going to be able to, under, you know, to withstand those extremes and climate that we have. And it's usually almost always going to come back. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny. I was just sitting here as you were saying that, and I was thinking about some of the different, like, I know, I remember going to the uh, Museum of Native American History up in Bentonville. And they were talking about some of the growing that they did, I mean, like millennia, I mean, a long time ago. And so, you know, when you think about stuff that's native here, I mean, there's, there's things that have been here for a thousand plus years or more. And so it's not like it's just brand new to the area. And that's why, you know, I think some of this, some of the things that if you're aware of it, you're like, oh, okay, well, at least I know I can introduce this to the area because it is, it already has a history here. I'd love for you to talk about, I had a guest on the episode uh, not too long ago, and we talked about the apple orchards that used to exist in Arkansas. A lot of people don't think about Arkansas and apples, but Arkansas actually had a really large apple, uh, you know, section of apple orchards, and a lot of them went away, and they're trying to reestablish them. But I would love for you, if you know a little bit about that history, what happened? Why did the apples go away? Did they just get cut down or what? Right. Yeah. And I don't know that I, I know the, the full history of that. Sure. I, I should. But you're right. It was an incredibly robust in- industry at one time. I think possibly the at the time was the largest apple growing region in the nation. Which when you think about it, because like I came from New England, New England, apple, there's a lot of apple orchards up in, up in the New England states. And this time of year is the time of year it's fall. That's when you go to the apple orchards to go you know, go pick your apples, get some cider, get some apple cider donuts, the whole nine yards. But I would love, I mean, it would, that would be a great experience down here. Yeah. I remember it when I was a kid, we, we came up to Lincoln. Was, my dad called it Appletown. Right. And did the same thing to get the dumplings and cider. And, you know, as far as the, the history of it, I, I think it was probably a combination of things. One was probably disease mm-hmm. and insect pressure. We live in a rather uh, temperate climate here. We have a very high humidity climate, which is really conducive to fungal and bacterial pathogens, a lot of insects, and they like to eat a lot of the same things that we like to eat. And so the cost of managing those those orchards, I imagine, was pretty intense. Back at that time, there wasn't a lot of options with regard to sprays and pesticides. There was probably less regulation, too. And so they were, there was some pretty nasty stuff that they were having to use to manage that. I'm sure it was somewhat expensive, but you also had a change in, in, you know, commodities. There was a a lot of that was turning over to pasture and livestock. And as this area urbanized even more, we're still seeing those kind of changes, but you're right. There are a lot of people here that are interested in, in growing fruit. You can still find pockets of orchards around, you know, in Springdale, even out towards Lincoln that I mentioned before, 
in South Fayetteville. And so, but you're right. It's, there's nothing like going to, you know, the co-op or the farmer's market and having an apple that was grown here. And especially, I I love, a lot of people don't like them, but the Arkansas black apple is a very old heirloom variety that, that was grown here at one time. Just really, really neat to be able to kind of taste the history in that, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think we've had a bunch of cideries crop up and we've got some great places that offer cider and and, uh, there's a lot of options as far as that's concerned. So, man, this is a really good education here. I I hope that the listeners have enjoyed what what you've had to share today. Colin, I'd love for you just to kind of give, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Right. So right now I'm, I'm working remotely, but if, if you would like to use any of our services, if you'd like to learn more, you know, we have an office in every county and we've got a really good website. That's www.uaex.edu. You can find any of those offices on there, but one would be to, to give us a call here at the office. You can email me at cmassey at uaex.edu and my cell phone right now is my office phone. That's right. 479-466-1651. And so if you have a, a question regarding horticulture, whether that's gardening, uh, landscape, or, or trees, urban forestry, feel free to you know, give me a call if you're in Washington County. We have a great agent in Benton County as well. His name is Ryan Neal. He's a, a great colleague. We get to partner on a lot of things, but he, he does the same job that I do in Benton County. But yeah, it would just be really to to reach out, ask your question. If I don't know the answer, I'll You'll find it for it. you. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Well, man, thank you so much for, for coming on. And I want to encourage everybody listening to this to really take advantage of this information, especially if you're, you know, I know people are building homes. I know people that already have older homes. And so, you know, a little bit of information goes a long way. And Colin might actually save you a bunch of heartache in the future just by having a conversation about the different variety of plants that you may want to introduce to your new yard. There are a lot of things that you can do about that. So I'm sure you, you agree with that, right? Absolutely. And, and one thing I forgot to mention, you know, our website, if gardening is your thing, or even if it isn't and you want to get involved in it, we have a fact sheet on every vegetable that you can grow in Arkansas, every, every fruit that's going to go over the soil requirements, the fertility things you can do on the front end to prevent disease. And that can go anywhere from lettuce to eggplant to tomatoes to onions, anything like that. So yeah, I, w- I would just encourage people to check those out. I mean, that would be valuable right now because especially with the pandemic going on, a lot of people have been doing victory gardens and things of that nature. Even I've done a little bit of gardening myself, but you know, a lot of times, again, a little bit of information goes a long way and a lot of people are doing the raised garden beds. And so you know, this information can be really helpful for you. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes so people can access that and take advantage of that because I'm sure it would be really helpful. I'll share that with you too. And you're exactly right. We saw when the pandemic and kind of the shutdown hit, we definitely saw an increase in traffic on people wanting to increase their gardening or get into gardening for the first time. So we knew there was a, a big educational opportunity there. And not everyone has space to put a garden in the ground and there was interest in, in raised beds. So mm-hmm. another way people can really follow us is we're, we're on Facebook and we're on Instagram. It's NWA plant agent on Instagram or NWA horticulture on Facebook. We recorded a, a short video about six minutes long on how to build a raised bed garden on a budget. 
for under a hundred dollars. Pretty simple, but really, again, just trying to bring those best practices and just a way to get people's foot in the door with gardening. Yeah, Uh, it was really it was really important this year. You know, food security is a big issue. Is a big issue. Is a big issue. And and but we love to see that. We love to see people taking advantage of those soil tests and growing more. You know. I learn a lot by mistakes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's how and, we learn. <laughs> and that's that's been my experience with gardening early on was, you know, sometimes you you learn what not to do and and some years, you know, things happen. Yeah. Pests will get you, disease will get you, but I keep doing it. I can't yeah. not do it. But you you do find little tricks each year of what works and maybe what you would avoid. Okay. All right. Well, man, there you have it, folks. Colin Massey has uh, kind of laid it out for you. We'll be sure to put all of that stuff in the show notes so that you can access the Instagram site, the Facebook page. If you want to build a raised bed garden, if you want to figure out what uh, invasive species you have in your yard that you want to get rid of, you can thank me later for reading the show notes and uh, taking advantage of all of the great things that Colin and his team here at the uh, U of A Division of Agriculture Research and Extension Office have available for you. Washington County has an office. Benton County has an office. There is information for all the counties that, are, that make up the, the greater Northwest Arkansas area. So I really want to encourage you to take advantage of what these folks have available. So Colin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Randy, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of the podcast. I really appreciate your patience and checking this one out. I also wanted to tell you, you know, as, as we started doing recently, and I want to just point out that we have sponsors for the podcast now which I'm really excited about. The first one is the exclusive real estate group. Chris Dinwiddie and his team have an expanded group of folks. They do house designs. They have architects available. They can facilitate everything from design services to turnkey new construction. You can learn more about Chris Dinwiddie and the team at the exclusive real estate group by just checking them out online. You can also check them out in the show notes. There's information. You can click on their website. Just call Chris directly. He even puts out his cell, which very few primary brokers do, but his cell is 479-305-0468. Mention that you heard about him here on the podcast and Chris will take good care of you no matter what your real estate needs are. And secondly, I'm working on a program. It's called Next Level 7. If you've ever thought about starting your own business or giving your current business a real tune-up, you need to check out Next Level 7 and take some lessons from the master. Brian Clark, who actually is a friend of mine, as an individual that has built not one, but two eight-figure businesses from scratch and sold them. We use Brian's training here at I Am Northwest Arkansas as we continue to grow this business, and it has really transformed how we do business. You can get the free course that Brian offers today from Next Level 7. Be a part of the entrepreneurial movement here in the Ozarks. All of this information and a link to this free course is on our website at IamNorthwestArkansas.com. And you can just check out this particular episode of the podcast. And so I would love for you guys to support our supporters and sponsors for this podcast because, you know, we always have to pay the bills and we appreciate those that have seen the value in what I Am Northwest Arkansas represents as a podcast and as a movement. And we certainly appreciate each and every one of you that takes time out of your day to check out this podcast each week. Remember, our episodes come out every Monday. We really appreciate you. We Wherever great podcasts can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, no matter where you go, you can find I Am Northwest Arkansas. And remember, I said this before, if you have an Alexa, just say, hey, Alexa, play the latest episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, 
and you'll hear me coming right, piping right through your Alexa, hot and fast. So I hope you check that out when you get a chance. That's all I have for you this week. I am Randy Wilburn, your host for I Am Northwest Arkansas, and I will see you next week. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.